0: Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's go to the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline, bringing in Aaron Torres from Fox Sports Radio. It's always nice to talk a little basketball in the middle of summer. That makes us at least get us in the mood, you know, make us feel a little cooler out there. What's up, Aaron?
1: uh Wes, what's going on man how you doing i'm i'm great how are you how's things 101 is that what i heard the heat index today
0: right now no the heat index will be uh, go up to 114 wow yeah
1: holy good lord that's pretty hot huh like so i will say uh july 6 which is my birthday no big deal next week you can send the gifts okay uh one year it hit 116 where i live which was a record high this was probably 2018 2019 maybe that that was hot, and we don't have the humidity like you guys have down there. I can't even imagine what one sixteen is going to be like, or one fourteen, or whatever you say. What you know, once you get past like one hundred eight, I you know, I don't think there's a huge difference between one fourteen and one sixteen. I'll be perfectly honest.
0: You, I thought you were out in L.A. I am. I you didn't no know it humidity, ever got though. that hot out there.
1: Well, I live in Pasadena, which is east of the city. It's more desert, but with that said, it doesn't. I mean. My part of town does regularly get into the 90s. I see. I don't live the glamorous. I know your. I know your daughter West is into the the TikTok stars and the Hollywood star list and all that. That's not my world. I'm just a working class, you know, put on my pants one leg at a time kind of guy. Uh, and I live out here in Pasadena, where it's beautiful, it's lovely, but it does it, it regularly hits triple digits out here. But even with that said, 116. Uh, On my birthday, July 6, 2018 or 2019, whatever year it was, that was was, was a hot one. That Mm -hmm. was a hot one, Wes, I'll tell
0: you that. Well, we were excited yesterday with the news of Arkansas Duke playing in the uh, SEC-ACC Challenge, and then you read a little further, it's not just Arkansas Duke. It is Duke at Bud Walton Arena, man. That place is going to be so much fun. I cannot wait for that game. What do you think about that one?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's clearly the headliner game for that event. Um, You know, I think a few things, I mean, one, it's going to be a great game. It's obviously going to be just an unreal atmosphere. Um, I think also, and it's something I'm sure you guys have talked about over the last 24 hours. I think it speaks to how far the Arkansas basketball program has come that ESPN and the people that put this event together find Arkansas to be a viable opponent for, uh, for Duke basketball, because Duke, you know, listen, we can love them. We can hate them. And and obviously I know the, the history of Arkansas, but, The bottom line is, you know, Duke Duke brings eyeballs no matter who they're playing, no matter where they're playing. And so, obviously, TV's objective is to create the most compelling matchup that you possibly can um, because, it's, you know, it makes for good business, right? And so the fact that they demark, and so on, by the way, the -the on-the-court merit speaks for itself, three straight second weekends, all that good stuff. But like I said, Wes, I just think it speaks to how not only – you know you guys as people who follow the team 365 days a year feel about the team but again the important decision makers at ESPN in the SEC in the ACC that they want to feature Arkansas in that spot
0: and it was pointed out by one of our listeners yesterday that this will be the 30-year the anniversary of the Arkansas Duke 1994 national championship game
1: okay so you so you think that some big wig at ESPN has a, has a sense of history. Is that what you're saying?
0: I would think so. I, I, I would think they uh, kind of figured that out. I hope so. Or am I giving them uh, uh, too much credit?
1: Yeah, you're probably. I, I think you're probably giving them a little too much credit. I mean, listen. Do I think maybe it played a role? Possibly. I think it also speaks to again what I just said. If, if Arkansas was coming off an NIT bid and. You know, had it made the second weekend in 28 years or whatever it had been prior to 2021, I don't think any of that stuff matters. So, you know, I, I, I'll be honest, Wes, like I'd love to sit here and say that I think, you know, again, the, the suit that ESPN had thought it through and that was why. I just think they, they put this game in the spot that they did because Arkansas's playing really well. They're a program on the rise college basketball as a whole has seen what a big game at Bud Walton Arena looks like. And I think that, to me, is probably the more realistic reason as to why this decision was made.
0: Aaron Torres with us, Fox Sports Radio. He's on the of Moving and Storage Hotline. A- any surprises with that uh, SEC-ACC challenge?
1: Yeah, I was, you know, and I said this yesterday, is I am a little surprised they couldn't figure out a way to get Kentucky, or, uh, you know, either Duke or Carolina, and, you know, the, 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 the Twitter experts that know everything will tell you that Kentucky already has uh, Duke and North Carolina on the schedule this next year, so there's no way that they could possibly schedule Duke and Carolina for 2023-2024. I can just tell you, if the SEC Big 12 challenge is any indication, they don't really care about next year. Basically, as long as they give you a home game and a road game, they don't really care. So I was a little surprised that Kentucky didn't get um, – Frankly, didn't get Carolina. If you're going to give Duke, Arkansas, maybe the 30 year anniversary did have something to do with it. If you're going to give Duke, uh, 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 Arkansas, I'm just surprised it didn't go Carolina, Kentucky. And so I was a little bit disappointed in that. And I'll say this too, Wes is I think that Arkansas Duke game is going to be incredible. I thought the rest of the scheduling really left a lot to be desired. Um, you know, I, Alabama, I know that, you know, right now, the early projections, and I, I make them just like everybody else, they probably won't be quite as good next year as they were this year. But, you know, to have Alabama playing Clemson just does nothing for me. Hmm. You know, Virginia is kind of a name brand, but they don't play the most aesthetically pleasing basketball. Well, you know who else doesn't play aesthetically pleasing basketball? It's Texas A&M. That might be a top 25 matchup. I don't know if it'll be fun to watch. You know, and so, again, I, I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm sure a lot goes into it. And by the way, back to the Kentucky point, I know that they're playing a Miami team that's coming off a final four appearance, but I I, I thought the rest of the schedule, frankly, feels a little bit underwhelming. But lastly, what I would say, and I don't go a little bit long on this answer, Wes, is that I do think part of it speaks to the fact that, listen, you know, the ACC right now is in a little bit of a down cycle and there just aren't that many appealing teams to schedule with these SEC teams. So one, I think it speaks to the work that Greg Sankey and, and, you know, previous Commissioner Mike Slive have done to elevate basketball across this conference. But I think it also speaks a little bit to the ACC right now. You know, there's some interesting main brands, a, a, a Syracuse, a Louisville, who's not even in this event. But right now they're not very good basketball teams, and I think that's probably part of why uh, this event feels a little bit underwhelming when you actually look at some of the matchups on paper. What do you think the second best matchup in the SEC – ACC challenges. Well, I still think it's, it's it's Kentucky Miami. I mean, Miami is coming off a of Final Four appearance, but again, you know, like I said, you know, these matchups. Yes, they they're supposed to be good on paper, but they're also supposed to feel big. And while Miami is coming off an incredible two year stretch, Elite Eight in twenty twenty whatever two, and then a Final Four last year, again, I don't I don't know that a Duke Miami or a a, a Kentucky Miami game gets the casual viewer to a TV um, in in November when we still have college football going on. We're obviously going to be in the heart of the NFL. And so, you know, frankly, maybe it goes to what I just said a minute ago. Is there a more traditional school that would have been more appealing? You know, if you put Syracuse against Kentucky, if you put, you know, Georgia Tech against Kentucky, Georgia Tech's not very good, but Southeast part of the country, you know, playing in Atlanta, Kentucky's got a big fan base. Like, it's not to say that it's not going to be a good game, and I guess if if you put Kentucky against anyone other than Duke or Carolina, it's always going to feel underwhelming. But it just feels like, man, they, there was just a missed opportunity there. And then, like I said, is that you know, if my understanding is correct, and you look ahead to some of the the, the neutral court events, Kentucky's scheduled to play Duke to open the twenty twenty three. I guess it would be 2024, 2025 season. Hmm. Um, and they're scheduled to play North Carolina next year as well, so it's looking realistically like we're not going to get a very intriguing matchup for Kentucky in the second iteration of this event. Uh, not this coming November, but the following one.
0: Could we see Arkansas go to Duke next year in the Challenge?
1: I mean, I think it's absolutely uh, uh, you know on the table. I mean, I think my understanding of how these events are put together is basically you know you have X number of teams. Uh, And, you know, every other year, one's a home game, one's a road game. And so, obviously, Duke will be owed a road game or a home game. Arkansas will have to go on the road. And so, in theory, you would think that it's absolutely on the table. But I think, obviously, if for some reason Arkansas doesn't live up to expectations, Duke doesn't live up to expectations, or there's somebody else that's more intriguing in that spot, you know, then I, I think you could see, you know, an Alabama or somebody like that go to Duke. But, yeah, I think it's absolutely on the table, that we could be looking at essentially what's basically it's not a, it's not an official home and home, yeah. but it's basically a home and home. I don't again, I think that those decisions will be made a year from now. I don't think anything is like official, like locket in. Like uh, I'm not telling anybody to book hotel rooms for Durham, you know, November 2024 into 2025 yet, but I think it's absolutely on the table. And I, I think at this point, it probably feels pretty likely what. Well.
0: Makes a lot of sense. I wondered about some of these matchups, and I didn't realize the games that Kentucky has already lined up. So, it, Yeah, it does make a lot of sense. We're talking with Aaron Torres from Fox Sports Radio. He's on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. Uh, I know you talked to Coach Musselman uh, not too long ago. We had the NBA draft. I was just curious about your thoughts about Anthony Black, Nick Smith Jr., and, and even Jordan Walsh. Uh, what, uh, how did you think the draft played out for those guys?
1: Well, I mean, listen, from Anthony Black being the second college player draft, I think regardless of where he goes, um, you know, it's going to be good for Arkansas and good for him. And obviously with the situation that he's going to, it's obviously a rebuilding year, a rebuilding situation. He's going to get a lot of playing time. So I'm really, I, you know, I'm, I'm really high on Anthony Black. And, and, you know, honestly, I liked it even before. I saw Coach Plus a few weeks ago, but hearing, you know, it's one thing to watch on TV and see, wow, you know, he's got the ball in his hands and he's expected to do this. But hearing Coach Musk talk about the reality that, you know, there were timeouts that they would ask him what play they should run or he would suggest a defensive change because of X, Y, and Z reason, I think it speaks to, like, you know, I was already high on him to start this process, and I don't think I even realized how much was on his plate at Arkansas. So, Anthony Black, I'm really excited about. And then, you know, Nick Smith, I think it goes without saying, like, kind of the same deal. First of all, I, I know it's probably a little bit over exaggerated, but he has a personal friendship with with Brandon Miller dating back to the AAU days. Uh, and then I think again, you're going to an organization that I think the next two or three years is just trying to figure out okay like who clicks, who does it, who works, who doesn't and you really get the opportunity to you know kind of prove yourself right If he's going to say the Lakers or something like that, they're pretty established. they need to win now. And then you worry about you get buried in the G League and maybe you never get your opportunity. I think you'll have plenty of opportunity. Uh, this being Nick Smith in Charlotte, uh, Jordan Walsh. I think you know he's going to have a chance to prove himself as well. A great developmental organization that he went to. So I think all things considered, I uh, you know uh, I think all all three kind of landed in an advantageous spots, and now it's just kind of on them to take advantage of the opportunities presented to them.
0: Speaking of the Lakers, I looked down on Twitter and Austin Reeves is trending. We got to uh, really? yeah, we got to uh, uh, go to Austin's camp here in Central Arkansas about 2 weeks ago. Man, great guy. I'm a I'm a fan now. I'm a fan of Austin Reeves. And uh I'm not a Lakers fan, but now I'll start watching and rooting for the Lakers a little bit because of Austin Reeves. Why's he tra- why's he trending? What's going on? Anybody know? Bad, I don't know, but- he's a restricted free agent
1: I've- and the Lakers are have said that they're going to match whatever contract that he gets pretty much. So that's Woo! Cool. I was going to say, Wes, you know, you said you're an Austin Reeves fan. You know who else is the entire city of Los Angeles? And I think, you know, one, I do think his story is very – it's easy to get behind. But two, I'll tell you this. is like I know that everybody thinks of, you know, L.A. as glamour and Hollywood and this and that. Um, I can tell you, like, one, I think the city has had a very hard time wrapping its arms around LeBron James. I think most people don't like them. But like him. But what I would also say is, as weird as this sounds, and I know anyone who's ever been to LA isn't going to believe me, LA is a very hardworking town. You know, there's a lot of immigrants that, that have come here. You know, my wife's, my wife's parents are, are immigrants. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, a, a town where, you know, listen, even if you work in the film industry, I mean, you're working sometimes until six, seven in the morning. Sometimes you're getting off set at 11, 12 at night. And so I bring it up because I think there's something about Austin Reeves that has really resonated with the city on top of the fact that he's a really good basketball player is the fact that, like, you know, hardworking, humble beginnings, everything wasn't handed to him, you know, and I think there's something to that. So I'm excited for Austin Reeves, and and I'll say, like, I'm sure you guys don't talk a ton of NBA. I know that I don't. But as, as a completely neutral observer on the Lakers playoff run, I thought there was one team in the NBA better than them by the time the playoffs, by the time they got eliminated from the playoffs. It just so happens that they played them in the Western Conference Finals. And so I bring it up because that's a big topic out here is, is you know, can you really run it back? If dah, 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 dah. And I'm like, yeah, I think you should run it back. And I think they were probably, you know, a little bit closer to having success than a lot of people realize because Denver was just simply better than people realize. So I don't want to bore your audience with NBA songs but good for Austin Reeves, but I also think it speaks to, I think they like their core, and oh, by the way, they had the second, They had the best record in the NBA after the trade deadline when that roster came together, and uh, I think Austin Reeves has a bright future with that organization going forward.
0: How would you uh, say your talk with uh, Coach Mosselman went? How's he feeling about this year?
1: Yeah, you know, Wes, I, I really tried to avoid asking really too many questions about this team, because I, I just think at that point, you know, this was even two weeks ago now, they had been on campus for probably less than two weeks at that point, you know, maybe had a workout or two. But it's not only not fair to him, I also just don't think it's, it's fair to the players who haven't had a chance to get to know each other, establish roles. And, you know, they have, what, six months, five months before the first game is played. So I really, you know, I just kind of asked him at the end of the interview, hey, can you just give us a little, a little taste of, of what you've seen so far so what I would say is, listen, I, I know every coach in, in any sport is excited when they're six months out about the potential of his team, but I, I think he really likes the team. And I do think there's something about older players with him is that I know that fans get, you know, thr- get excited about the five stars and they should like, you know, it's going to be awesome to follow Nick Smith and Anthony Black and all these guys over the course of the next part of their careers. But, you know, Coach Muss has proven an ability, especially with older players, to kind of identify Bill roles, you know, and have success, right? I mean, Trey Wade wasn't the sexiest commitment when he committed, but turned into an awesome Razorback. The whole season changed when he went into the starting lineup. Stanley Amude is the same. If you want to go back to his Nevada days, you know, Caleb Martin and Cody Martin were obviously very coveted high school players, but really hadn't found a role when they were at NC State in the ACC. And so I just bring it up because I, I don't want to speak for Coach Muss. I don't know this to be true. But my guess is that that older players probably work better for who he is and what he's about, um, which is competition, the opportunity to whatever. And I'm not saying that freshmen can't have success. Look at Moses Moody. Look at Devo Davis. Look at Jalen Williams. But I do think it's harder for some of those guys to adjust being 18 years old as opposed to 23. So, obviously, this coming season, I think he's going to have – I don't even think. It's indisputable. He's going to have an older roster – um, and I think he's got a bunch of guys that kind of get, hey, listen, there's competition here. i got to work hard. i got to earn my spot. And so I think he seems pretty excited. Uh, I don't want to speak for him, but I, I do think having an older team, I think probably vibes with a little bit more of who he is, how he coaches, what he's about, all that kind of stuff. All right, Aaron, you're a UConn guy, defending national champions going into next season. You, of course, lose Andre yep. Jackson and Jordan Hawkins, but you get back clinging and you add Stefan Castle, who's a five-star prospect. How do you feel like they're going to be next year? I think it will be really good. First of all, shout-out to you for kind of knowing the scouting report. I um, It was interesting. So my arch-enemy, J.J. Reddick, who blocked me on Twitter, he had um, <laughs> Matos Kuzelis on his podcast this week, who's the projected maybe number one pick in the draft. Right. He's in yep. the G League Ignite program. What's that? Oh, sorry. I thought you said that. So – he had Matas Pazellas, and he said, who was the one player that surprised you in this class? Um, and he said, Stefan Castle, who is going to UConn. So, you know, listen, what I would say really quick, I- I'm obviously really excited. The talent is there. But I would also say you had three guys coming back last year, all of which, two of which were drafted. One signed as an undrafted free agent that had major college experience that had kind of gone through the process. And you're going to be largely starting over with guys that have seen nothing but success at the college level. So, you know, from a from a talent perspective, I think there's no doubt they're a top 10 roster in the country. But I think, like everywhere else, you know, you have a couple guys that, that are back that have won at a really high level, but then you have a couple new guys that think that because they committed to UConn, it means that they had some level some level of role in last year's success, and they did it. So I'm excited, but I'm also cautiously optimistic because I do think there is a big, not only really a talent void left with Jordan Hawkins, Andre Jackson, and Adama Sinogo, but also kind of a leadership and cultural void that has to kind of be reset with the new guys next year.
0: Aaron, thank you. Great great talk. Thanks. Great for, talk. Yeah, that was fun.
1: Yeah, as you said, Wes, everybody stay hydrated. You really should have started yesterday, but it's never too late. Be safe out there. In all seriousness, I had no idea it was so hot. Be yeah. safe out there, guys.
0: Thanks, Aaron. Later. Aaron Torres, Fox Sports Radio, on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline.